Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, December the 14th, 2022. It is currently 9.53 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, earlier today and even this evening, we've had some internet issues to work through, which have been very frustrating, very aggravating, and has caused a number of problems and doing the broadcast we need to do. There's so many series that we need to work on. So I did a test that lasted about 30 minutes checking the internet connection. Okay, everything seems to be working okay. So then I'm like, what do I do? What do I do now, right? Okay, I can I can go do this series. I, I, could, I could go do an episode in this series, or we need to talk about this, or, or we need to work on the Bible study exercise. Oh, so many things to do, but nothing just felt like... What do I do right now? Like I wasn't, I wasn't in the right frame of mind maybe to jump back into those series. So I was just sitting here in the studio kind of talking to myself like, okay, hey, get over your frustration. Get over your aggravation. We need to talk about something. Well, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Yeah, I was having a conversation with myself. And then I looked down and I saw a news article. And as soon as I saw the news article, I was like, okay, um, it's that that could be interesting. And I got ready to go away from the news article, right? I kind of thought it was interesting. Got ready to go look for something else, listen to something else, just, just come up with a different plan, a different idea. Try to figure out what I need to do for my podcast this evening. And about the time I got ready to move away from the article, I thought, well, you know, this entire news article is really built on a tweet that someone sent out. Let me click on the tweet. So I clicked on the tweet. I realized the one tweet was really a Twitter thread, this long Twitter thread where they don't, I'll mention it in a minute. I I loathe Twitter for so many reasons. Okay. But it's this long Twitter thread. So, so what happened is someone sent out a tweet, then they sent out another tweet, another tweet, another tweet. In other words, they had a whole bunch to say, and they said it in a series of tweets, which just why I hate that platform so much because everything is reduced to a number of characters. I I just, I hate that. If you got something, if you're going to try to have any meaningful discussion or any meaningful post on Twitter, you either have to just do it in these little small tweets, which why wouldn't you want to be on a platform where you could just post the entire thing? You could say, here it is. Don't limit how much, if you want to post a small novel, it should just be able to post it in one post, right? I don't know. I, I don't like... I mean, how can you have theological discussions, meaningful discussions about anything? And what is it? 240 characters, whatever it is. It just makes no sense. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Drives me crazy. But, but that's not the point. I started looking at the tweets and I was like, hmm, you know what I'll do? I'm just going to turn on the microphone and talk about this Twitter thread. I'm just going to talk about these tweets. Then I stopped myself and said, But here's the problem. If I mention the name of the person who sent the tweet, here's exactly what's going to happen. Part of the audience will be like, wait, that person? Who cares what they say? They're a heretic. They're trash. They're liberal. They're a garbage, right? And, and we have a tendency to do that, right? If I, if I say I'm looking at a book by, you just name the person. I'm looking at a tweet. I'm looking at a sermon. 
whenever you give the name of the individual, people will immediately say, well, I'm not going to listen to that. They're trash. And, and it, there's, it, it, I, it just, it drives me crazy. Like, Look, I may disagree with someone 199% of the time, but I, when I read whatever they write, whenever I look at, listen to a sermon, I try to set aside my previous thoughts, opinions, or, or rejection aside and listen to what they have to say at any given moment just to see, because, because you, I, I, I think the pursuit of truth cannot be reduced to the name of a person. In other words, what I'm saying is like, look, there's many things uh, you just name. Well, I, I could give all, I don't want to give an example of any specific name because as soon as I say the name, then this will happen. But the problem is we now we're so, we're so, is this what tribalism is so prevalent within Christianity. It's very much, I am of a Paul, I'm of a Paulus type of thing. It's almost that within Christianity. So if someone speaks and they're not a part of your team, you just immediately reject them. And and this is a thing in culture, right? This is just a thing in culture. If you don't like someone, what you do is you try to you try to create your own and I know it's it's a cliché term, but an echo chamber where you're only going to listen to the people who wear your 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 team's colors, right? Your team's colors. Like okay, you're you're on, you're on our side. You're on our side. Okay. So I'll listen to you. Oh, wait, wait. What what is that? I'm not going to listen to that podcast. I'm not going to listen to them. They don't wear our color. They're not part of our tribe. I'm only going to listen to people who say what I already agree with. Where my perspective is, I'll listen to anyone. Now, I may disagree. I may critique. I may, I may completely attack and, and, and tear it apart, but I will at least hear it out. And what I try to do is say, okay, okay. I know I've listened to your sermon before and couldn't stand it, but I'll listen to a new one and try to be as objective as I can. Obviously, I'm not never perfectly objective. True, I don't know if any human being is ever truly objective because of our sinful nature. That's a whole different podcast. So there's a part of me that does, I want to just read the series of tweets and not even give you the name. Now, that works out great for those listening on Sermons 2.0 or the Church One app because you don't see the title, right? So you have no clue. Everyone else is like, Hello, we see the title. We know who the tweets are from. But please don't let it, don't focus on the name. Don't focus on the person, whether you love them or whether you hate them. Let's just look, let's just spend some time this evening, right? I don't know where you are or what you're doing or what time it may be, but let's just read some tweets together. Does that sound like a, hey, what, what, I listened to a podcast last night. What was it about? Well, he read some tweets, okay? We read some tweets together. It was a fascinating time. Okay, I know you never know what to expect when I turn on the microphone. But tonight we're just going to read a Twitter thread and talk about it. And I didn't read all of it because I just decided as soon as I kind of got a basic idea, I'm like, you know what? No, 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 no. I'll just read it with everyone in real time on the podcast, which, you know, which I love to do that. I love, I love it to be very real and organic, not rehearse. I don't like performance art. I don't want it all rehearsed. I want it to be real, but I, I, I don't care who, who this person is. I don't care about their teaching. I, I just want to know what they have to say in regards to this subject, but we'll start with the news article because the news article is what led me to the, the the tweet thread the twitter thread and um i i think that's the best place to start so are you ready are you ready now remember ignore the name 
ignore the name, ignore the name. And, and if I can offer a gentle, but loving rebuke, Hey, stop with the tribalism. Stop with, I'm only going to listen to people who's on my team who wear my colors. Stop that nonsense. Open your mind and be willing to be, listen and be challenged and hear things that go against what you want to hear. I'm not saying agree with it. I'm not saying don't use discernment. I'm saying that that's the way we grow. That's the way we're challenged. All right, so just, just, just a thought, just a thought. But here we go. This is the number one, number one most popular article currently at Crosswalk.com. The number one most popular article right now at Crosswalk.com is entitled Beth Moore. Uh Uh-oh. Some people are like, that's it. That's it. She doesn't wear my colors. Down with Beth Moore. And that's all they're going to focus. That's all they're going to hear. He said Beth Moore. And then they go into an absolute rage. Forget. Just forget that for a minute. What, what did Beth Moore do? Obviously, Beth Moore sent out a Twitter thread, a tweet that turned into a Twitter thread. What did she say? Well, we're getting ready to find out. But here's the article. Beth Moore denounces. Oh, boy, that sounds that's that got that got my attention. Who did Beth Moore denounce? What did Beth Moore denounce? Uh Oh, are we is there some battle going on? What's happening? What's happening? Inquiring minds want to know. Beth Moore denounces her generation. Oh, boy. Now, I'm leaving off an S there, but she denounced her generation. What did she denounce her generation for? Now, let me read it correctly. Beth Moore denounces her generation's role in Christian celebrity culture. Whoa. Okay. Now, you see why the headline got my attention? Forget Beth Moore. We've got that celebrity culture that's been talked about so much in Christianity over the last few years. Celebrity culture is destroying the church. Celebrity culture is destroying Christianity. We've got to stand against celebrity culture. We have to end celebrity culture. Come to our conference and hear us talk about celebrity culture, and it will only cost you $79.99 to get in. And don't forget to buy our books, and we'll do an autograph, autograph signing afterwards because we're against celebrity culture. Okay, all right. A little bit of sarcasm there, but I'm so sick of hearing people claim that they're opposed to celebrity culture when then they engage in the very activity that helps create and facilitates it. All right, let me say this. I'm I'm just going to get my, I'm going to be transparent right before we even read these tweets. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to get this right there in the open. Everyone who knows me knows this is my perspective. All right, because I am loud about this. This is one of those, like, I am dogmatic about it. When you, as a Christian speaker, pastor, Christian leader, stand behind a pulpit at a conference where you're supposedly going to preach God's word and the people that you're looking at paid 40, 50, 60, 100, $200, $5, $10 to get into the door to hear you preach the word of God, you are responsible for celebrity culture. You're helping facilitate it. You're engaging in the very practice of it. And so you're guilty. Don't blame anybody else. You're guilty. 
Because never should the word of God be turned into a product that we sell by charging people to get into a door to hear the word of God preached. That is blasphemous. It is ungodly. It is wrong. I don't care how wonderful the preacher is. I don't care if you think they're the greatest expositional preacher in the history of mankind. I don't care if you think that they basically are a part of the Trinity. I don't care what you think about them if they charge people money. To get into a building, to hear them preach God's word, they've turned God's word into merchandise. They've turned the preaching of God's word simply into a product that is being sold. So either they're selling the preaching of God's word or they're selling their celebrity. Which is it? Both is horrific that it takes place. Sometimes people pay money to get inside a church to hear people preach. If it's a conference happening at a church on a Saturday or a Friday, you're charging people to get inside a church? Oh, that is that is just absolutely outrageous. And, and, and whenever I rant and rave about this, people just laugh and go, ha, 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 his blood pressure got high, he's ridiculous, whatever, and nobody cares. But I'm sick and tired of the whining about celebrity culture while engaging in the very practice of celebrity culture. So if Beth Moore is going to denounce her generation's role in Christian celebrity culture, my question is, is, hey, Beth, you been at any conferences where people had to pay money to hear you teach the Bible? Instead of denouncing your generation, you may want to denounce yourself. God's word is not merchandise. Now, I got no problem. People sign up to get in because you have only have a certain amount of space. So people have to sign up to get tickets. It's first come, first serve. And then when people come in, then you can offer ask for an offering. I got no problem with that. But if Beth Moore is a part of a church and they believe in her ministry of, pre, of teaching the Bible, right, or preaching, whatever they want to call it, then guess what? That local church should pay all of her expenses, room, board, everything. They should pay for everything for her to go to the conference and therefore no one at the conference has to pay Beth more anything. They're not responsible for one cent or one penny. And if it's being held inside a church, well, then obviously they shouldn't be charging people to get in. And if you're going to rent out a building, whoever believes in this conference so much, the ministries who believe in the conference, they should pay for it. And again, if you want to ask for an offering, that's okay, but you should not be charging money. Not for the teaching of God's word. Now, if you want to have a conference about any other subject, music, Hollywood, movies, you just want to, you just want to talk about normal, everyday, secular things, then by all means, charge $5,000 to get in. If you want to do your, if you want to just get together and talk about whatever, but if you're going to call it ministry and teaching of scripture, you can't do that. That's celebrity culture and it needs to be condemned outright and people need to stop participating in it. It's that simple. I don't care who gets offended. I'm sick and tired of hearing your excuses. It's simple excuses. You're doing it for money. You're turning the word of God into merchandise. And it's, it's, it's trash. It's complete trash. There you go. I cannot be any more blunt. So when I hear her denouncing something related to celebrity culture, you see why I got my attention? Because I have strong, 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 strong feelings about this. I'm not going to read at all what the article says. We're just going to go directly to the Twitter feed. And here it is. Beth Moore on December the 8th, 2022, 
at 8.27 a.m. This appears to be the first tweet in the Twitter thread. If I said Twitter feed, well, it's a Twitter feed, Twitter thread. Whatever the correct terminology is, I'm not a fan of Twitter, obviously. Again, I just don't understand how you can deal with anything biblically, doctrinally, theologically in such limited characters. It makes no sense to me. So what you do is you just post something. Everyone's posting things in the comment. Nobody's really talking to each other. Everybody's talking past each other. Everybody's really just talking to themselves. It's just the whole thing is ridiculous. But okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. Beth Moore, December 8th, 2022, 827 AM. And again, I don't care about the name. I just want to know what they have to say in regards to this subject. Here's her tweet. Been thinking about something this morning. I think my generation did the younger generations a disservice. Hear me out if you would. By and large, I think my generation was the introduction to the platform culture, definitely to the Christian celebrity culture, even if the last, now stop right there, because now she has to go to another tweet. So let's stop right here. So on December the 8th, somewhere in the morning, she had been thinking about basically her generation's responsibility and creating or introducing platform culture, Christian celebrity culture, that somehow that they were responsible for this. Now, I don't... I. I don't know if that's completely fair. I think throughout church history, there have been those who rose to some kind of celebrity culture prominence. The term may not have been used, but just, just go back to the time of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I don't have the dates in front of me. I believe that's the 1800s. If you go to the time of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he became almost a celebrity his sermons were published, I think, in the newspaper, and they were like, I mean, they were wildly popular. People came to hear him because of his style, his his use of uh, his how he could he was such had command of the English language, his dramatics, certain things about him. He almost became a celebrity. I mean, it's hard to deny that. I'm not saying that it looks exactly like celebrity and. 1990 or 2000 or 2010, but he became kind of a celebrity. Billy Sunday, a lot of people came to listen to him because of his, him acting things out and his dramatic preaching style. There have always been preachers who attracted large audiences and basically became internationally known. And guess what happens? Then their sermons are turned into books and they sell like crazy. And people pack into buildings to hear them preach at a conference or or whatever. That kind of stuff has been going on for a very long time to some level. Now, maybe her generation, now, you know, maybe she'll outline it here in a minute, but I'm more interested just in not who caused it, but what causes it. Now, I think what happens, well, I don't, I don't want to say that. I'll be careful not to offer a, a dogmatic assertion right now because I've got to think this through. Let's see what she has to say, and then we'll see if it leads me to, to become more dogmatic. But let's read this again. She said she had been thinking about something this morning, again, December the 8th, 2022 at 827 a.m., 
I think my generation did the younger generations a disservice. Hear me out if you would. By and large, I think my generation was the introduction to the platform culture, definitely to the Christian celebrity culture, even if the last thing many of us were after was celebrity. Now, I think that's, I, 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 I'm going to be, I, I think if we're going to be fair, that I think many people who find themselves with some type of quote unquote Christian celebrity, I think it's probably fair to say that many, I know it's easy to just accuse that anyone who reaches that level, who gets that platform, who gets that popularity, who has that many followers, who has that many subscribers, who has that many downloads, whoever the case may be, I think it's always easy to say that's what they were after the whole time. I think it's just very easy to say that, right? You know, that's what they were after. I think, I think we got a little bit of that in the rise and fall of Mars Hill, that podcast series about Mars Hill's church and Mark Driscoll. I think it was kind of, maybe it wasn't explicitly stated, but it became, it was at least insinuated. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't explicitly stated, but I think it was clearly implied. I think, I think there, there, there was clearly, it was implied that, or at least it felt that way. Maybe that's not fair, but because I'd want to be fair to what they said in that podcast, I'd have to go back and listen to every episode. But it felt to me that there was a clear, that they were insinuating that Mark Driscoll was after the the fame and, and the popularity and the numbers and 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 there and there was there and maybe maybe that's maybe maybe they they explicitly said it and maybe you would believe that but I just I always want to believe I'm I'm going to always go with this I can't judge anyone's motives I can't that's just wrong we we can't judge a motive that that, that we're judging what we do not know and so anytime anyone makes a judgment about someone's motives I'm very I'm very I'm going to say we should not do that unless they themselves articulate what their motives were. I think of many cases within Christianity, those who start out probably have a right heart, a right desire, and a right motive. Are those right heart? Is the when I say a right heart, let me make make this clear. All of obviously our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Let me say this: a right, a right heart in this sense, not that the heart is completely right, but they have the right desire and the right motivation to some level and wanting to serve God, preach the word of God and reach people, right? It's, it's, there, there's something right about it. Now, here's the reality though, because of our sinful nature, even our right desires and our right motives. And I use that word right in a very, in a very subjective way, because what it appears, I'm going to say there is a rightness to it, but it's always tainted and corrupted at some level with our own sin and desire for and pride and arrogance. In other words, there's a rightness to it at the beginning, right? You start out, I want to preach the word of God. I want to teach people. I want to read. There's something right about it, but there, there's always inside of it a, 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 a level of poison, a little bit of corruption that is there. So I do believe, as she said, that the last thing Many of us were after was celebrity. I think a lot of people have no, they're not even thinking celebrity. They're thinking of reaching people, of reaching people. And I think that there's a, a, a thing there, but it's always tainted at least to some degree with our depravity. That's how come even our best actions, even our most right actions 
are never truly pure and are never truly right. So I'm saying right in the most subjective way possible. Like it's right in a sense that it's not immediately going that the, 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 the attitude is like, I'm doing this for the wrong reason. There is a right reason for it, but it's always corrupted in some way, shape or form. It's always tainted. So that's how come even our good works is nothing but filthy rags before a holy God. It's always wrong. It's always tainted in some way, shape, or form. So you can you can say, I want to reach people, but it's so easy how quickly there's other motivations and other factors that start coming in. And I could tell my own stories about all of my life within Christianity and trying to minister and do things. Oh, there's times I've done it for the right reason. Sometimes those right reasons, though, clearly were corrupted and tainted by wrong reasons. And 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 I I, I make no excuse for that because it's just the reality. But I'm going to give her, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, that's a lie. You didn't have, you you were looking for celebrity from the word go. I'm not going to say that. I will say because she's a sinner that whatever her right reasons were, they were corrupted to some level by sin, because that's just the reality of all of our lives. So let me read this again. I think my generation was the introduction to the platform culture, definitely to the Christian celebrity culture, even if the last thing many of us were after was celebrity. Throngs of us really did just want people to know Jesus and know how to get to know him through Bible study and prayer. This thread is not is not to get into all that's gone wrong in platforming and branding, Ain't got that much time this morning. So she's not going to go into all everything that went wrong in platforming and branding. But but she is at least starting acknowledging that I think a lot of them started off, and she's speaking of her generation and the Christian celebrities that arose from that generation, uh, that they really wanted people to know Jesus and how to get to know him through Bible study and prayer. And I think that that's true, that there was at least a level of Again, subjectively saying a purity and wanting to do the right thing. But of course, sin was there. Sin was in it and it was corrupted. And that corruption was going to manifest itself in some way, shape or form. It always manifests itself. She goes on to say, I want, I want to zero in on a specific part of it. She, she wants to zero in on, on a specific part of platforming, branding, celebrity culture. I think we made speaking and teaching, and traveling, and certainly book publishing look glamorous. And let me say, if it truly was glamorous for anyone, I don't know them, or A, I don't know them, B, I would have to think they must have had uh, myriads. Okay. What does she mean by that? Hang on, let me... Do something. Oh, wait. No, I just messed that all up. Okay, hang on. Okay, give me a second. What? I wonder what she means by that. Give me a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up something here. A countless or extremely great number, right? Okay, myriads. Oh, okay, here we go. Okay, I see what she did. Okay, well, again, it's the tweets. One tweet ends... And so that it continues in the next tweet. I'm going, wait, what, what do you mean by that? Okay, so let's let's read this again. All right, I got to I got to read it all like it's one to get oh, Twitter, 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 Twitter. Could you just post one thing and just all together? You know, okay. All right, here we go. I want to zero in on specific part of it. 
I think we made speaking and teaching and traveling and certain book and certainly book publishing look glamorous. And let me say, if it's if it is true, if it if it truly was glamorous for anyone, a I don't know them. B I would I would have to think they must have had myriads of people taking the hits and doing the hard work for them and keeping them untouchable. I have zero respect for that, but that is another story. Here's what I want to say to those of you who are young Christian servants, speakers, teachers, or authors. It's always been hard. All right. Got to process this. I got to process this. I'm doing this in real time, so. All right. This is an interesting approach. She's blaming her, she blames her generation, denounces her generation for basically creating the whole platforming, branding, celebrity culture. All right. And she seems to zero in that the problem here, she's not denying that there's other problems, but she decided to zero in on the fact that in her mind, her generation made it all look so glamorous. The teaching, the traveling, the conference, the publishing of books, They made it all look so glamorous, but the reality is it wasn't really glamorous, right? It it wasn't glamorous for anyone, so that was just just a facade. That was just the appearance, and if it was glamorous for someone, that's because they had myriads of people protecting them from all of the difficulty and all of the hardship, and she has zero respect for people who had the myriads of people protecting them from the hardship because it is hard, and all the younger Christians need to know how hard it was. All right. Hmm. Now you got to be fair here. You got to be fair here. So it was hard. Okay. Now, I, when you, when someone says something was hard, when someone says something was difficult, when someone says something wasn't glamorous, that, it, that, that like there's this horrible part of it. That's a very subjective term, Right. Hey, you don't know how hard it was. Okay, so let me make sure I understand this. Well, you're running around the country, preaching, teaching, writing books, making money, gaining fame, popularity, power, and influence. It was hard. It was difficult compared to what? Compared to what? Someone working three jobs, uh, trying to make, to be able to pay their electric bill and they're a single mom with multiple kids. Like, was your life, was it, what do you mean it was hard? Like, like, I know it's subjective because whenever you're in a situation, it can be hard to you, but compared to something else, it's not hard. It just seems like a weird thing. Like, Hey guys, you just don't know how hard it was. Then we did a disservice because we didn't let these young Christians know how hard it is. Hey guys, it's hard work. It's hard work being this famous. It's hard work selling this many books. It's hard work getting paid this much to go to these conferences. It's hard work. Okay. Like there's, there's one, I understand there is difficulty associated. It is hard. It just seems like a weird way. Like, Hey, I denounce my generation for celebrity culture, because we made it look too wonderful and we weren't real with how hard it was. Now, is that, is, 
I'm picking up a pencil, right? Those are pencils here. Here are the pencils. Here are the pencils. Here. I think people think that I have these pencils. A lot. Of, if, if anyone ever sees a photograph of, say, my mic or my, or my setup, I always have pencils on the desk, always right near here next to it. I'm typically not writing from this spot. So why do I always have pencils? Because when because of so much of my broadcasting is where I'm reacting to things in real time, like you know reviewing audio or or doing this, reading a Twitter a Twitter thread, and I'm reacting to it in real time. And I and when I start thinking, I have to have a pencil in my hand. It's just like I have to have a pencil in my hand. I can't my 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 thoughts will not process unless I have a pencil in my hand. I don't know. It's some weird thing I do whenever I'm walking around thinking about anything. I pick up a pencil. Now I'm throwing the pencil. I pick up the pencil. So there we go. I'll put it down. All right, there we go. Is that crazy? All right, all right. But I say all of that just to delay here. I'm really trying to process this. So I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to go in a different direction. Is this a problem of celebrity culture? Or is this a problem of the entire evangelical Christian world? That we always have to put forth the idea that the Christian life is glamorous. It's one of victory. It's one of power. It's one of everything. You're going to have a great family. You're going to have a husband who looks like he just stepped out of a GQ magazine. You're going to look like a wife that just looks like she walked out of, you know, hot housewives of the year. And she's going to be wearing a dress with a necklace waiting at the door for him to come home with the, and the two kids are in the house or being homeschooled and the dog is happy and she's got the meal set on the table and look how wonderful he he loves her and she is submissive to him and it's this wonderful life and the kids are obedient and everyone's all dressed and smiling as they drive to church and everyone's happy in Sunday school and they all drive home singing praise songs and then and then they have a nice big wonderful Sunday dinner and everyone loves everyone and it's happy like we is it a problem that we've tried to make all of Christianity look glamorous that Christianity is always in a sense about marketing. It's always about, because you've almost taught this from day one as a Christian. Hey, 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 be careful you don't say this or do this or do this. It will hurt your testimony. You got to make it look good. You got to make it sound. Is it that, has Christianity always been about marketing or at least in, in my lifetime? We got to market it. We got to sell it. And we've been marketing and selling a version of Christianity that's all this like wonderful, great thing. When the reality is Christianity is filled of broken, sinful people with doubts and confusion and fear and anxiety and worry and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and, and pride and arrogance and, and covetousness and lust and, and there's anger and there's violence and there's brokenness in the home and, and disobedience with the children and husbands and wives at each other's throats. And sometimes the, the wife doesn't have dinner ready or she doesn't care to cook and he's yelling at her and she's yelling at him and there's not love and respect and the kids are disobeying and then you drive to church and everybody's in the car fighting and arguing on the way home or nobody wants to go to church in the first place and everybody like we have to like cover all of that up so i wonder if 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 we're kind of trained to do that so then when you come over into christian celebrity you got to market it you got to market it's marketing baby it's marketing you got to make it look good you got to make it sound good So is what she describing, 
in her own way, what she's describing, hey, guys, it was hard. If we made it look good, you so, somebody, something went wrong. Is that, is that a symptom of a disease that's, in, that's built into Christianity or built into, um, when I say Christian, churchianity? Right? Not, it's not built into biblical Christianity because I think biblical Christianity would want us to be far more real and transparent, but we can't be too real and transparent. Look, th- this is a problem with so many pa- pastors can't be real and transparent with their sin or their struggles or their failures because then they'll be like, you're disqualified. You can never preach again. We only want perfect people. Well, not perfect people, but you can only commit these sins. You can commit these. Okay. You get how it works. Nobody can be real. I just, uh, of all the things she could talk about celebrity culture, this was interesting. This is the direction she went. Let me read this to you again. I want to zero in on a specific part of it. I think we made speaking and teaching and traveling and certainly book publishing look glamorous. And let me say it truly was, if it was truly glamorous for anyone, A, I don't know them. B, I would have to think that they must have had myriads of people taking the hits and doing the hard work for them and keeping them untouchable. I have zero respect for that, but that is another story. Here's what I want to say to those of of you who are young Christian servants, speakers, teachers, and authors. It has always been hard. Publishing a book is terrifying. The anxiety can eat you up and eat up your intestines. The criticisms has been ever with us like a codependent frenemy that would never take a cigarette break. We have had no shows. We have had no shows. Um, then big shows. We've had, we, we have had no shows. Then big shows. Then no show uh, shows again. Then few shows we put our whole heart into. Right. Um, books, articles, works that got little notice or maybe just criticism. We've said and written things that now sound so stupid to us. We shake, shake our own heads. And here's what I'd like to quote to you. A little phrase that Paul uses in Philippians about opposition and co-struggling. So basically what she's saying, it's just weird the way she, she wrote that. Cause we have, we have had no shows, then big shows, then no shows again. I don't know exactly what she's referring to there. But in her mind, what she wants everyone to know is, hey, publishing a book is terrifying. The anxiety will eat up your intestines. The criticisms has been with us like a codependent frenemy that would never take a cigarette break. We've had no shows, then big shows, then no shows again, then few shows. We put our whole heart into books, articles, works that get little notice or maybe just criticisms. We've said and written things that now sound so stupid to us, we shake our own heads at. Okay, so before I read the rest of what she's going to quote from Philippians, what she seemingly just wants us to understand is that, hey, it's hard. I don't know what the no-show, big-show, no-show again is referring to. I, I don't know I, I don't know exactly what she's – is she talking about like – is talking about a book? Like, in other words, you write a book and in a sense it's a no-show because nothing happens – Oh, or then, then you write a book and it's a big show. Then it becomes a no show again. I don't know exactly. I, I, I don't have the context there to really try to. That's why I hate Twitter because she has to do these things in small. Like I need more. What, what are you referencing here? I don't know exactly what she's referencing, but what she wants us to understand is how difficult it all is. 
how difficult it all is. And then you write articles and nobody pays any attention to them. And then sometimes they only criticize them. And so it's hard and there's criticism and there's anxiety and there's worry. In other words, there's an ugly side. To, there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole different side to the celebrity that you see. Again, I think this is a symptom of how Christianity operates or churchianity operates, which is always, we want to make it look so good and so wonderful. Listen to just the preaching at conferences, right? Listen to the preaching at conferences. It's it's rarely very raw and real. It's it's like it's it's like it came off an assembly line. Here's what you're supposed to say. You know, smile, tell the joke, say something wonderful about your family, talk something great about one of the people hosting it. You know, it's all it's here. Everything is just so nice and manufactured, and it's just. It's just like it came off an assembly line. Nothing can be brutally real and raw and honest about struggle and sin and difficulty and failure and no, 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 no. Can't have any of that. Can't have any of that. I think that's what churchianity has been doing forever, which is a disservice to anyone who becomes a Christian because you're selling them a version of Christianity that they will never experience. And I think that just slides right over into conferences and all this other stuff where we just borrow the same kind of uh, mentality. Now, what she goes on to quote here is this. Um, A little phrase that Paul uses in Philippians about opposition and co-struggling. And this is from God. She says, see Philippians 1, 27 through 30. I got my Bible right over here. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 30. Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an, ev- an evident token of perdition, but, but to you of salvation and that of God. All right. I think there's a lot there. We need to figure out exactly what's going on, but of course, it's Twitter, and uh, I doubt we're going to get much of, a, of context, but here... Here's what she says in regards to this phrase, if I can find it. All right. And this is from God. See Philippians 1, 27 through 30. I believe his way of working, of appointing or allowing us to continually face difficulties and disappointments and opposition is in no small part for our deliverance. It is a gift, an unwanted gift often, but a gift nevertheless. All right, so she's saying that the reason we face all of these difficulties is for our deliverance. What I'm about to say here, um, um, it's, it's not just a theological take, nor is it in any way romanticizing the pain of it all. It's just the truth, the biblical truth. What God wants for Jesus' followers is us to be filled with his spirit not with ourselves. Okay. God is so kind and generous 
to appoint a good many celebrities and even some dreams that seem to come true. But his objective with us, his objective with us is not to make us successful, but to make us reliant. He wants observers to see that a big God has been at work in us, not a big ego. All right, now I don't know exactly what this has to do with Philippians 1. We'd have to do some work on it. I do like that. All right, that what God wants for those who, I guess, rises to some level of prominence, some level of power or influence, he wants people to look to them and not see them, but to see that, as, as she put it, we can, and we can find it here, that a big God has been at work in us and not see the big ego. That's good. It sounds good. I, I think when people reach a celebrity status, it's hard for people, no matter, because the people will, it becomes almost people worship. It almost becomes man worship. I mean, it's, it's hard not to say the way people react if you criticize a MacArthur or anybody. It, it's man worship and they will deny it. All. No, 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 I worship God and he stands with God. But it, it can become man worship. But I think it's true that it would be awesome if we could put a situation where they would see the big God's work in us, or as she says, as she says it, um, where is it? Her exact words. I don't want to misquote it. I don't want to misquote it. Uh, that a big God has been at work in us. I think it's awesome that if we could, we can let people see a big God has been at work in me. And it's not about my ego. I don't want you to see my ego. I want you to see the, I'm going to just use it this way, the true God working in me. But here's the problem. Is anyone going to see the true God working in you and not see celebrity ego and your status when they had to pay $60 to get in to hear you speak, when they had to pay $50 to get in, when they stood in line for an hour to get your signature, when, when, when they come up wanting your autograph. Clearly, I'm sorry, they're not looking. They can say all day, oh, I see God working in you. They can say that all day. It's garbage. They see you. They see your celebrity. So when you participate in that nonsense, you're a part of the, I'll never forget. And I love this. I love this. It was a Christian band. I believe their name was Mortal. M-O-R-T-A-L. I think is how they said it. Mortal, I believe. And um, this was in the 90s. Uh, they were kind of an industrial rock kind of sound. Um, and I, I got to meet them twice. I got to meet them twice. Uh, one time I, got, I met them in a Christian bookstore. They were in town for a concert and they were in the Christian bookstore just looking at Christian books. And I was there and I got to talk to them. And they talked about their favorite Christian authors, and we had a chance to talk. But I don't remember how we got to this, but they they made it they they we we begin to discuss it. And not because I asked, because I never ask for an autograph. If I meet a famous singer, if I meet uh any, I never ask for autographs or photographs. I always just like to talk to them something about what they do. Like I, I always have questions about what they do. Like I love professional wrestling. I meet a professional wrestler. I don't want their autograph. I don't want a, I don't want a picture. I want to ask them something about 
hey, thank you. Know, usually I say thank you so very much for what you've done for, say, the wrestling world because I love it so much. Or thank you for this storyline that you're in. I really was entertained by this or something. Just, you know, just usually you just say thank you for what you've done. I don't want your autograph. And because uh, I'm not just not into that. What's what's the point of an autograph? I don't care. I, I just want that couple of seconds with this person that I respect greatly for what they've done in whatever industry they're in. So I like to ask them a, like, a, hey, when you wrote this song, what were you thinking here? Like, or what did this lyric mean? Or, or just whatever the case may be. So we got to discussing just church, theology, doctrine, Christianity, Christian music industry. I probably had some questions about the Christian music industry because I've always had critique of it. And I remember them saying, well, we don't really, we don't want the celebrity. So like, we won't do things like we won't take pictures with fans. We don't sign autographs for fans because we're trying to point them to Christ, not to self. And that always struck me that like, wow, there's a band and people flock to them for pictures or autographs. And they're like, no, we don't do that. We, We don't do that. It's not about us. It's not about us. Now it still has its, like, how do you balance that out? I don't know. Um, but I will say this, if you're, if, if you're teaching and preaching the Bible and people are paying money to get in to hear you preach, I'm sorry. They're not going to see God working in you. They're going to see you because they're paying money to see you. Obviously, they're not paying money to hear the word of God taught because they can get that anywhere at any church on any street corner. They, they can get it anywhere. No, no, no. You, you, it's something about you. They're drawn to you. So I, I think it's an awesome idea that she wants that she doesn't want people to go to the ego, but to the to as her as she puts it, the big God. That sound that preaches good, but what does it look like in practice? Hey, I don't want you to see me. I don't want you to see me. I want you to see the big God, and I'll tell you about that big God in my latest book that you can purchase for twenty four ninety nine. Hey, hey, I want you to see the big God, not me. And you can hear me tell you about that big God. When you come to my conference, you need to register today for the low, low price of $79.99. But I don't want you to see my ego. I want you to see the big God. I want to say to you, if some of us made it look easy, forgive us. It never was. We had struggle at home, struggles abroad. We have failed as often as we could have succeeded. I have lived such an adventure with the Lord and still expect adventure ahead, but it will always be a struggle. It will always be a battle with the unseen as well as the seen. And it will always be a battle with our own flesh and our own egos. There will always be criticism. There will always be offerings we make that will be rejected. Hang in there, your servants of the Lord. Now, I love, I do love this. I do love this. I mean, that... I, I, I mean that. I'm not, that's not sarcasm. She's talking about, we, we fail more than we succeed. There's a battle with the flesh. There is struggle. There's struggle with pride. There's struggle. It's struggle, struggle, failure, 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 struggle, 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 struggle. The, 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 I, and I agree that that's, that there, that the, that Christian celebrity hides all of that. Just, just think about, listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Right. Listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And whenever they give dates, write down the dates, write down the dates of what was happening. Man, they had this huge meeting. This problem was going on. 
this craziness was happening, where all these crazy things were happening in the church, then go find where Mark Driscoll was somewhere in close proximity to those dates. He was teaching at some conference, telling everyone how to operate the church or grow. He was telling everyone about basically how to do everything. Well, wait a minute. Why wasn't he at those conferences going, guys, you don't even understand how bad things are right now. I can't go into detail, but man, right now my church is falling apart. I'm having all kinds of issues. I've been frustrated with people and ticked off with people online. I've been doing this. I've been struggling with this. I'm having major problems and writing a book. Like just like it, it, you don't ever do that. You show up, you, at a Christian conference, they could be having World War III with their wife. Marriage is, is just a mess. And they get, stand up behind the pulpit, praise God, everyone. God is good. God is great. God is blessing me wonderful. And not being able to tell the truth. But see, I don't think this has anything to do with celebrity culture. I think this is the culture of the church. Put on the smile, put, put, you know, smile correctly. Say amen, say praise be the Lord, everything. How are you doing, brother? Better than I deserve. Remember, God is good and he's good all the time. All the little cliches, all the little, you know, those posters people put in their office, those, and I don't know, positive posters about hang in there or whatever nonsense people put on their uh, wall. Uh, that stuff drives me crazy because it's just all the reality of life. There, she's coming clean. Hey, if we made you think this way, here's the reality. We were failing and struggling and difficulty and, 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 and fighting against the flesh and fighting against our own ego. Well, that's what needs to be spoken of and said in the conferences, in the teaching. It says, this is from God, our humility. You are in good company, baffled saints, disappointed saints, struggling saints, saints on the mountaintop, saints in the depths. God is for you. And sometimes we don't know what disappointment did for us until years after. Write it out. Keep going. Every single one of our stories, if we're in Jesus, ends magnificently, magnificently. And this is from God. She, in a sense, denounces her generation for their responsibility and in, in a sense platforming a celebrity culture. And what she's focusing in on is that they made it look glamorous instead of being very brutally honest and raw with the reality of what was going on. But I argue that has nothing to do with celebrity culture. That's a symptom of churchianity that's been marketing Christianity in a fraudulent way for way too long. Because we sell it. Hey, you become a Christian? Boom. Now you have power. You, you won't sin. You'll sin less. You'll do this. You'll be this. You'll, you won't have that struggle anymore. You, you, if you struggled with this sin, boom, it'll be gone. And we just sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it like, you know, some snake oil, snake oil salesman that's just completely deceitful and dishonest. And we, 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 and then people get to Christianity and they never experience what was sold to them. So then they pretend to have a Christianity that they're not even really experiencing because then you have the Christianity that they're really living and they're really experiencing when nobody is watching and nobody is looking. And it's always quite different than the Christianity everyone sees or even the Christianity we claim we are experiencing. Some late night thoughts 
on Beth Moore's Twitter thread about celebrity culture. I obviously took it in a different direction, and I think it's something we all need to ask ourselves about how open and honest we really are about our Christian life. You can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Don't email me and ask me why she quoted Philippians 1, because I don't quite really know what she was trying to do with Philippians 1, but of course, you know, you got to throw in a scripture somewhere, right? I don't know. Okay. All right. Maybe that's a little unfair, but okay. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great night, and we'll talk again tomorrow. God bless.